Good morning, Biltmore. I want to welcome our online campus as well as our Brevard campus today in the words of Pastor Bruce Frank. All right, all right, let's get started. Hey, we're in this great series that I'm excited to preach in today, and I was invited by Pastor Bruce to preach on a specific passage of Scripture from 1 Peter that I am personally living in my own life right now. So I want to go ahead and dive in and I want to tell you the title of the sermon and I want to make sure that everybody knows that this sermon is for you regardless of your gender, your age, or your marital status. Here's the title of the sermon, How to Be a Better Husband. How to be a better husband. So what I thought would be appropriate right now is for some of the wives who are watching online to go grab your husband. You might want to just pause this for a second and go grab your husband and make sure that he gets to hear this. Because if you're a husband, obviously this is a great message for you in a series about the average Joe, because in reality, we're all just normal men. What makes us special and unique is the spirit of God that lives in us. Now, if you are a wife, you would obviously want your husband to watch this, but you need to watch it too because there's something in this for you. And if you're single, unmarried, if you've never been married or if you've been divorced or if you've lost a spouse, this is important for you as well because Peter is gonna give us some insight into how men can love their wives better. And we take all of this today from one simple verse in 1 Peter chapter 3. So if you are uh, watching online, you can read this along with us. Or if you have an old school Bible like I do, I still carry this and read from this. And every single morning, this is the Bible I read from. You may want to get it out, take some notes. But I want to encourage you to really lean in today because God has something special for you. As we look at 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 7, we're going to leave this up for just a moment. And I want you to really key in on the simplicity but yet the depth and the power of this one simple verse. Here is what Peter says to husbands. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now I'm gonna leave that there for just a moment because I wanna draw attention to a few words before I preach a little bit. First of all, this is specific to husbands and, and, and there is a, a direction here that Peter wants to take this verse. He's giving instruction to husbands on how to live with their wives. When I leave that there for just a moment, I'm gonna leave it up for you to look at, but I want you to hear, when I was um, engaged, I'd been, I guess, about a week into the engagement process, I told my grandfather, a World War II vet, um, a country is cornbread, I said, I called him Papa. I said, hey, Papa, guess what? I'm getting married. I asked Shari to marry me, and she said yes. He said, good, well, do you like her? I said, well, of course I like her, I love her. I'm in love with her. He said, no, do you like her? I said, Papa, I asked her to marry me. I put a ring on her finger that I paid cash for. I love her. He said, I know you love her, but do you like her? You better like her because you're gonna have to live with that woman for the rest of your life. And here is an older man at that point in his life in his 70s 
who had been married and lived with a woman for 40, almost 50 years before my grandmother passed away from cancer. And he knew something that older, wiser people know, especially older, wiser married people. And that is love is one of those emotional um, realities that can ebb and flow and change throughout the seasons of life. And being in love with someone, though it's important, that's not all there is to having a godly marriage that honors Christ. You've gotta learn how to live with each other. And Peter understood that. That's why he instructs husbands, live with your wives, how? In an understanding way. In other words, if you're gonna get along and if you're gonna make it work for the long haul, I'm not talking just the honeymoon. I'm not talking the first seven years. I'm not talking just have a few kids. I'm not even talking get them out of the house and get them through college and into a career. I'm not talking about just enjoying your grandkids one day. No, no, if you're gonna do it right, if you're gonna be married and honor Jesus with your marriage as a testimony to the world that the gospel is real, you've gotta learn how to understand each other because everybody is very different, personalities are unique, no two people are alike, and when you're dating, you always hear this phrase, opposites attract, but if you're married, you know that when you tie the knot, opposites often attack. So we've gotta learn how to live with each other, and specifically husbands, Peter says you need to learn how to live with your wife in an understanding way. Now he calls her a weaker partner. I wanna make sure that, that you don't get hung up on this because there have been men I know over the years who have tried to use this to leverage their authority and their control over a woman. That is not what Peter means here. Specifically, I believe he's mentioning with clarity that overall physically, because of physical differences that God has given men and women, the, the inability for men to conceive and give birth to children, the ability for women to conceive and give birth to children, even down to the cellular DNA level, the Bible teaches us that in the beginning, God made man and woman. Jesus quotes that passage in Matthew 19. And then Paul will requote Jesus quoting that passage from Genesis because God's design from the very beginning was that men and women would be unique and different, lots of qualities that were similar, but many qualities that are different. And without stereotyping, overall, we know this just physically, that women down to the muscular level are overall weaker than men. Now, there are many things that women are stronger at. There are some things that maybe men are stronger than, but I can't stereotype because I know that in your marriage, in my marriage, my wife is stronger in certain areas and I'm weaker in other areas and vice versa. This is just magnifying the differences that husbands and wives have in their marriage. And because we are different, husbands, you need to live with your wife in an understanding way, showing them honor. So men, this is important. If, his, if, if Peter's perspective here was to show that women are overall weaker than men, then it would be easy for some men in a sinful way to leverage that to control their wives. But Peter makes sure that men understand, you're just an average Joe, you need to honor your wife. 
Peter's perspective is not that women are lesser than men, but that women deserve to be honored. Why? Because they are co-heirs of God's grace. And men, here's the promise. If you do that, your prayers will not be hindered. Now, I want to walk through this passage of Scripture, hopefully in a winsome and fun way, but also in a way that's true to Scripture to show you as a husband that just like me and just like Peter, you are an average Joe. You're not perfect. You're going to blow it. You're going to mess up. You have blown it. You have messed up. You will blow it in the future. You will mess up again. Pastor Bruce preached last Sunday a message on Peter's restoration from that place of shame and regret when he denied Jesus three times on the night that Jesus was arrested and taken to trial. And he showed last week how an average Joe like Peter who blew it big time was redeemed and restored by Jesus and the end of his life was better than the beginning and his legacy still lives on today. And I wanna tell you as a husband, that's the case for you and that's the case for me. Even though we've blown it and we're not perfect and our wives are fully aware of that, you don't have to live in regret or shame because of the mistakes you've made as a husband. You can get better. So before I dig into four simple points I wanna make for every husband watching me right now at Biltmore Church, I wanna say something from my heart to you. Men, I'm not gonna baby you or coddle you in the next 25 minutes. I'm gonna talk to you like you're a man because you are. I wanna encourage you, I wanna speak life to you, but I'm not gonna treat you with kid gloves. I'm gonna tell you that you can do this. You can be a good husband. You can be a loving husband who lives with your wife in an understanding way. And don't use the excuse of, I didn't have a good dad. My dad was not a good husband. I've never had a good example. I just don't know how to do it. I want you to take it personally. I want you to take this as a, as a man-to-man challenge, Peter challenging you, Jesus challenging us as husbands to be better husbands for the sake of the kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the joy of our wife, the thriving of our marriage, and the ultimate testimony of the power of the gospel to take two very different people and mend them together, mold them together, and make one flesh. So brothers, I love you. Men, put on a helmet for the next 20-something minutes because I want to get you in a space where in your head and your heart, you are ready to be a better husband for your wife because here's the secret. I'm gonna let you in on the little secret at the very beginning of my preach here. When you learn how to be a better husband for your wife, your wife will be happier, she will be healthier, she will have more hope and more peace and more love and more joy. And guess who benefits from that? You do. You benefit as much as she does. So let me unpack this verse that I have already read to you. And I wanna show you a few things from this verse that I want you to take note of. Number one, study your wife. Study your wife. He tells husbands in the same way to live with their wives in an understanding way. If you want to understand something, you have to study it. Don't just try to wing it, study your wife. Think of it as you getting a PhD in your bride. You should have a PhD 
in her. If you're an unmarried man, I want you to remember this. The greatest thing you will study in life is not what you major in in college. It's not even your high school diploma. You know, you, some of y'all are struggling right now because you had to do school at home and, and you're really wondering. My son right now is a senior in high school and it's been a challenging year for him. Whatever you're studying, the greatest thing you'll study, it won't be the law degree you get or the medical degree that you get or the business degree that you get or the software program that you learn to study. It won't be how to get your own YouTube channel and one day be an influencer. It won't be how to get the algorithm right on your Instagram account. The greatest thing you will ever study as a man is your wife. You need to be the world's leading expert on your bride. Shame on me if any other human being on planet Earth understands Shari King more than I do. I'm taking that personally. It is my personal goal in life. It is my commitment that I have made out loud to God and to her. Nobody will know her better than me. Nobody will preempt problems in our marriage quicker than I will. Nobody will be faster to jump to a time of conversation, a time of confrontation, a time of protection faster than me, her husband. Nobody will, will take more pride in providing for my family. Nobody is going to be the first call she makes when she's upset before she calls me. You need to be the world's leading expert on your wife because here's the thing about your wife. Listen, men. It's not hard to understand her. She's giving you a steady stream of information all the time. She's telling you how she feels all the time. She's giving you signals all the time of how she's doing, whether it's slamming a cabinet door or preparing a meal or, or rushing through the house to try to get the kids in the minivan to get their shoes on, to get their backpacks ready, to get out the door, to try to get Thanksgiving dinner prepared for the handful of people that got to come over this year. She's constantly giving you information on who she is and how she's doing. And you, husband, get the great honor of paying attention. I like to say it this way. If you wanna get a PhD in your wife, you pay tuition by paying attention. You need to write that down. Wives, you might need to write that down and slip it to your husband as a note or text it to him. You pay tuition by paying attention. Husbands, you should be able to order for your wife in a restaurant. Husbands, you should know her enough, you should have studied her enough that you can preempt and predict what she probably wants to do for vacation next summer. You should study her enough to know the patterns of her life. For instance, in my life, in my marriage, I know that my wife needs eight hours of sleep a night. Regardless, she needs eight hours of sleep. So what that means for me is I have to work to make sure that my wife gets the rest that she needs. What brings your wife joy? What brings your wife peace? What stresses her out? What causes her to be anxious? If you study your wife, you can preempt and predict the spaces and the places, the people and the scenarios that will encourage her and give her life or that will pull her apart emotionally and drain her. One thing I learned with my wife as I've studied her now for 23 years 
is that I'm an extreme extrovert and I almost never get tired of people. My wife is more of an introvert, but she's also, she's somewhere in the middle. She's more leaning toward the introverted side, but she gets worn out with people quicker than I do. I almost never get tired of people. I love people. I love the the pull and the push. I love the hustle and the bustle. I like big crowds and small crowds. I like 10,000 people in an auditorium and I get to preach to them and I'll hang out in the lobby and be the last one shaking the last hand as they're cutting the lights off. And I like hanging out around a fire pit with a couple of friends. I don't care if it's a lot of people or a few people. I'm an extrovert. I love people. But with my wife, I've studied her and I know that she reaches her limit with people. And if I can notice that, I can just walk over to her and put my arm around her and say, I'm ready to go. I get her home. We, we get to relax. We get to go to bed together. She gets a good night's rest. That's just an example of how you can study your wife. By the way, men, I'm just going to throw this in as an extra. This is free of charge. One of the reasons why so many men don't study their wife is because the men, the man, the husband is just too stubborn to study. And I'm going to let that sit there for a moment. Are you so stubborn that you stopped studying your wife? Are you so stubborn and set in your ways that you expect her to mold to you, to bend to you? Are are you honoring your wife in the way that you're still paying attention to her and studying her? Because if you will pay attention, you're paying tuition for that PhD, the PhD of being the world's leading expert on your wife. Okay, so we study our wives. After you get this one down, and you'll be working on this for the rest of your life, by the way, husbands, it's a wonderful thing to work on. The second thing I wanna point out from this scripture is you need to apply the word. So you study your wife, but then you do something with what you learn. You apply the word, you apply the scriptures. You read the scriptures so that you can apply them to your marriage. In other words, we get to study our wives, but we also get to study the word and put it into practice. This is a daily discipline. And brothers, again, I want to talk to you as as a man to, to other men. I want to talk to you from the scriptures to let you know something I've learned in my life. And this is a confessional, and that is simply this. When I find myself being short, Um, easily upset, easily offended. If I find myself being impatient with my wife, frustrated with my wife, 100% of the time, I'm not exaggerating or embellishing, 100% of the time, when I'm not acting Christ-like towards her in an honoring way that Peter talks about, 100% of the time, I can trace it back to me being so busy, so consumed or obsessed with other things that I am not in the scriptures every day, 100% of the time. I double dog dare you as a brother in Christ, as a man, look at your life and notice the times that you find yourself being angry, frustrated, put out with your wife and ask yourself, am I spending time in God's word like I should? Because you can't apply the word if you don't study the word. 
You can't do what the Bible tells you to do if you don't read the word, because if you're not reading the word, you don't know what it says to you at all. And it's not so much that I need to read the Bible every day so I know how to be a better husband. I read the Bible every day so the word of God can read me. I read the Bible every day so that the spirit of God is sanctifying me, purifying my motives, revealing to me the places where I am sinning, revealing to me the patterns in my life that are worldly and not godly. I read the word of God because it gives me wisdom to know what to do in circumstances. I read the word of God because when I hide it in my heart, the promise from the book of Psalms is that when I hide God's word in my heart, I will not sin against God. So if I'm sinning against God, I'm obviously gonna have a sinful attitude toward my wife. I can work backwards from that point and realize I'm not hiding God's word in my heart. It's a daily discipline. And listen, brothers, what starts off as a daily discipline becomes a daily delight. My favorite time of the day is an hour before sunbreak, an hour before sunlight, an hour before the sun comes up. I'm up all early almost every morning. I'm not saying this to boast. I'm saying it's a discipline in my life. And I want to tell you, I'm not ashamed to say I have a good marriage. It's not perfect. But my wife and I are best friends. We fight. We misunderstand each other. We're, on, we don't, we're not always on the same page. Sometimes we have knockdown drag outs, but I have a good marriage. And I'm gonna tell you the reason why I have a good marriage. My wife and I are in the word. There are days I miss, I don't always get it right, but I prioritize the word of God early in the morning. I wake up, I get out of bed, nobody's calling me, nobody's texting me, nobody's emailing me, nobody's asking me for anything. I get to choose how early I go to bed at night so that I can choose to get up early in the morning so that I can sit in my, at my desk in my study at my house and I can drink a cup of black coffee as strong as, as I can make it. And I open up the word of God and I read it. And I cannot tell you how many mornings I've sat in my office with tears dripping off my nose or off my beard onto the desk because I'm either overcome with the presence of God because the word of God is speaking to me or I'm overwhelmed with conviction of how sinful I was just yesterday because of the way I talked to my wife or the way I treated my wife. And when I'm in the word of God, the word of God is transforming me. It's changing me. It's washing me. It's making me new. And so I want to ask you, brothers, are you in the word? If not, start today. Start today. I'm in a 60-day Bible reading plan on version right now with about 15 men from my church where I'm a pastor. And we're reading through the New Testament in 60 days. And every single morning I wake up and I get a notice on my phone that I get to read these four or five chapters in the New Testament. When I read them, I click a box, I check it off. It lets all my brothers know that I've been in the word today. I'm not doing it to perform for them, but it's an accountability for me to make sure that after 35 years of following Jesus and preaching the Bible, I don't get comfortable, lazy, apathetic, or stubborn in my patterns. I wanna keep the pattern of reading the word so the word can read me. Brothers, do this, study the word. Um, I learned this from watching a, something on TV. Apparently, the, the Navy SEALs have this, this statement that they say. I want to see if I can read it to you correctly. They say, we don't rise to the situation. We sink to the level of our preparation. 
And so many times in marriage, what husbands want to do is we want to rise to the situation. If a problem occurs, if there's a misunderstanding, if we get off uh, kilter somehow, if we have a fight, or if our kids need something, or if we need to get some more money in the bank, we'll just hustle a little harder. We'll do a little extra. And our mentality often as men, because it's just kind of how we're wired sometimes, is we want to rise to the occasion. But men, that's not how life works. We don't rise to the occasion. We sink to our preparation. That's why I have to be in this book every single day because this is the base level of my life. This is the foundation I stand on. And if I want to have a good marriage, I've got to have a good relationship with the word of God. Number three, you you apply the word and then examine your words. Examine your words. Study your wife, apply the word, examine your words. Words. When Peter says, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing them honor, how do you show your wife honor? For a lot of husbands, I know for me, I grew up in a blue collar home on a farm in South Carolina and all the men I knew, they provided for their families. Now, many of the wives I grew up knowing as a kid, older women, they worked as well. But there was a sense with the men that I grew up in, kind of an older generation, that as long as they're providing, bringing home a paycheck and taking care of the bills, that they're honoring their wife. That's true. Continue to do that, brothers. But I want to tell you that the most, at least for me, in my experience, and as I study the scriptures, Old and New Testament, there's one secret, almost like secret way that men have missed, that if you could just unlock it, it would change everything, that you can honor your wife. And it's with your words, Honoring your wife with your words. Why? Because Peter says she's a co-heir of the grace of life. So men, learn how to build your wife up with your words. Learn how to say good things behind her back about her and learn how to say good things to her face about her. There's not a day that goes by that I don't compliment my wife. I compliment her hair, I compliment her beauty, I compliment her hard work, I compliment her intellect, I compliment how she handles situations in our home, I compliment how she shepherds other women in her role, because my wife is in ministry, she's a minister. I compliment how she ministers to other women. I do that all the time. It's a discipline I've learned because my words will give her life or they will give her death. My words will build her up or my words will tear her down. You know what what I've noticed in my own marriage and probably true for yours? After a little while of being together, we get comfortable with each other and sarcasm creeps in. We start making little statements. We, you know, you live with somebody long enough, you start to notice their weird habits, the little things that they do that you don't like, the tone in their voice, the way that they rearrange the dishwasher after you've already loaded it because they want to get one more plate in there. Side note, that drives me crazy. I don't like it when my wife does that. But you know what? It's okay because she can, over the course of our life, probably save 18 cents. That's a joke. You know what I'm saying? But we do little things like that that begin to bother us. And what we do is we sometimes will, we will sometimes cover up our um, frustration with sarcastic words. We'll pick at each other about those little habits. And what can start off as something fun and harmless can end up over the years building and cause bitterness and resentment. And I believe it is a great joy for a husband to just choose 
to just make a choice. For you as a man, I'm going to honor my wife with my words. I'm going to talk to her like she's my sister in Christ before I talk to her like she's my, my wife. I'm going to talk to her like she is my bride that I love and not my roommate that gets on my nerves. When I'm in other company with other people and we're at a dinner or a lunch or a family reunion or a cookout or a ball game, I'm going to talk about my wife to them as if she's the greatest person I've ever met. Because those kind of rumors will get back to your wife and she will appreciate how you honor her with your words. Husbands, are you honoring your wife? Or are you picking on her so much that she hasn't heard honoring words from you in a while that felt like honor? A husband told me one time, well, I don't mean anything bad by it. Doesn't matter what you mean to say. Doesn't matter what you say. It only matters what she hears you say. Should I back up and repeat that for you husbands? It doesn't matter what you say to your wife. It doesn't matter what you mean to say to your wife. It only matters what she hears you say to her and about her. So be kind, be gracious, be loving, be life-giving with your words to your wife. Show her honor with what you say. I've had to learn to do that because I'm quick-witted and I make a living with my mouth. I, I talk for a living, I write for a living. And so I've had to be very, very careful that I don't say things like, well, what you need to do is, just as a, as a confession, that's one of the ways I learned to examine my words. After a couple of years of marriage, my wife said, you know, when I'm telling you about a, a thing I'm dealing with or a struggle I'm having, I don't need you to tell me what I need to do. I need you to just listen. I didn't realize that was an issue. I didn't realize I was doing it. But when I would say the phrase, what you need to do is, I was immediately cutting off the conversation and the conversation was her being transparent with me and vulnerable with me so that I could understand her heart and who she is as a woman. So men, just as a piece of advice, ask your wife what words build her up. Ask her how your words affect her. And it matters what you say, it matters how you say it, and it matters when you say it. So when you examine your words, think about what you say, think about the tone in which you say it, and think about the timing of when you say those words to her. And the best way to know how you're doing with this, guys, is ask your wife. I, on a regular basis, I ask my wife to give me a grade. I'm, a, I'm an achiever. It's my personality. It's also my Enneagram number, if you're into that kind of stuff. And I like to get a grade. I like to know how I'm doing. And I started doing this early on in our marriage, within the first six months, actually. Hey, on a scale of one to 10, can you, can tell, can you tell me how I'm doing? Okay, just from zero to 100, the 10-point grading scale how am I doing right now? Am I 95 or am I, am I 82? And what I found out that when my wife felt comfortable enough to give me a grade, so much of how I was doing from her perspective was based on my words and how I talked to her and how I spoke to her. And finally, the big finish, brothers. Are you ready? Number four, adjust your ways. Adjust your ways. Okay, so you study your wife. You apply the word, you examine your words, and then finally adjust 
your ways. In other words, stop being stubborn and start changing. There's no excuse for you not to change. If there's an area of your marriage where you could be a better husband, you have the ability to do it. You have the ability because the spirit of God lives in you because Jesus has conquered death, hell, the grave, sin, and all the consequences of our shortcomings. Jesus is in you. The spirit of God is in you. Your heavenly father loves you. You've got the Bible that you can read. You've got a great church here where you can find instruction, where you can find community with other brothers. There is no reason why you cannot adjust your ways. It's just our stubbornness that makes it so hard. But as hard as my stubbornness is, the grace of God is stronger than my stubbornness. Make the changes that you need to make. Do some things differently. Here are some things in in my life that I had to start doing in changing my ways. I had to make sure that when my wife talked to me about how she felt, because remember, she's given a constant steady stream of information of how she's feeling and how she's doing. I would always try to fix the problem. I finally had to learn to keep my mouth shut. And little things like this, watch me, man, watch me. I'm I'm gonna show you what I do now. This will help you. When my wife is talking to me, even if I don't understand why she feels the way she feels, I choose, don't take the blame, it's not my fault. I keep my mouth closed, my phone is away from me and I look at her, I keep eye contact the whole time and I shake my head in agreement. And I, and I just say things to let her know that I'm engaged in the conversation. I understand what you're saying. I could see why you feel that way. Thank you for telling me that. I know that has to be hard for you. I never knew you felt that way. Thank you for trusting me with something so intimate. And I say those things. I want you to know this has been an adjustment for me. I'm the guy that talks all the time. So when I'm in a conversation with people and they're talking, my tendency is to check out and not listen to them because I'm waiting on them to take a breath so I can say something and tell a story. I've had to adjust my ways. And as a result, God is blessed. Let me give you an example as I close out the message. I grew up in a home where my mom did everything in the house. My dad used to, he would be sitting at the table or sitting in his chair after supper and he would be drinking sweet tea. And when he was done with the glass of sweet tea, I kid you not, my dad would simply hold up the the tea glass and shake the ice in the bottom. And my mom would jump up from the couch or run from the kitchen, get his sweet tea glass and fill it up and give it back to him. And my wife let me know pretty soon that that wasn't going to happen in the, in the King house. And so I had to adjust my ways and change my expectations. And one of the things that I learned early on is that my wife expected me, rightly so, to be more involved in keeping our house clean and in order. I didn't grow up doing that every single day. I did help my mom, but, but not enough to where I was ready for what was the expectation in our, in our family. And so I began to just slowly learn. It was a slow process. I struggled with it. I learned to help clean up. I learned to help manage the kitchen. I learned to help my wife So I came home late one night, a flight was delayed coming back from a preaching event in Texas. And I got home after midnight. I knew that my wife was already in bed. I walked in the house and I just began to clean up the kitchen a little bit. It was a discipline I'd learned over the course of a couple of years. And I'm down there washing dishes and I'm trying to put things in the cabinets. I walked upstairs 
I, I tried to be as quiet as I could. I got in bed and when I, I snuck in the bed real quiet, we didn't have any kids yet. And I tried not to wake my wife up and she, she never moved. As soon as I got settled into bed, she said, hey, what are you doing? I said, just trying to be quiet. She said, I'm glad you're home. Were you cleaning the kitchen downstairs? I said, yes, I was. And she said, I really appreciate that. I spoke her love language whenever I came home and cleaned up the kitchen late at night. And I want to keep my closing illustration PG. She spoke my love language that night. Men, I am not trying to be crass. I'm not trying to be inappropriate. And I'm certainly not trying to minimize it to sexual intimacy in the marriage. But what men know instinctively is that when our wives are loved and cared for and honored by us as our equal, as our best friend, as our partner in life, when they feel loved and valued by us, when they, see, when they, when they feel seen and understood by us, the intimacy in our marriage grows in every way. We become better friends. We are more physically and sexually intimate with each other and we grow together as one flesh. Brothers, you can do this. You can be a better husband. By the grace of God led by the scriptures, you can have a great marriage. I wanna pray for you right now. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you, Hendersonville. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Brevard, for being with us today. Uh, but I want to pray with you right now before we wrap up this online experience. Lord, I want to pray for those uh, who have joined us today. And I want to pray that if anybody right now, male or female, ha has been touched by this message, that they would actually yield themselves to you and listen for what the Spirit says. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, wherever you are right now watching online, Maybe you need to just reach over and grab your mate by the hand and pray with them. Or, or maybe you need to ask the Lord to give you strength to make some adjustments that you need to make as a husband. Or maybe as a wife, you've heard some things in the message today that have inspired or maybe even convicted you. And, and maybe you need to have a prayer that you pray to the Lord asking for help and grace. But ultimately, I do want to ask this question. If you've never given your life to Jesus... You've heard this message about marriage. You've heard me preach about how to be a better husband, but God in his grace has shown you the power of the gospel because it's only the power of the gospel that can do this in you. Maybe you'd like to give your life to Jesus right now and you'd like to, to be saved. And if that's the case, I wanna pray with you right where you are and I wanna ask you to call on the name of the Lord right now. With your eyes closed and your hearts open, if you need to give your life to Jesus and be saved from your sin, just pray this to him. Jesus, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy in my life. So I repent of my sin. I give you control. I give you my future. I give you my eternity. I give you my soul. Make me a better person, Jesus, by saving me from my sin. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name. Hey, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, before we end this uh, worship 
service together online. If you just gave your life to Jesus or if you need help in the area of your marriage, just take out your phone when we're done here and text the number 28282. You can text that number. It's a number that comes straight to Biltmore Church, 28282, and just text that number and tell us that you prayed to receive Christ or that you need help becoming a better husband or that you need help in your marriage and somebody will care for you and serve you to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Just text 28282, text that number and let us know how we can help you take your next step. Jesus, thank you for your word and how it inspires us and instructs us, even though we're all just average Joes. In Jesus' name, amen.